What would it take to arouse your life, to experience more connection, more pleasure, more realness in and outside of the bedroom? I'm August McLaughlin, and this is Girl Boner Radio. Did you know that the vibrator was originally created as a medical device for treating hysteria? Here are a few symptoms of this not real condition. Irritability, difficulty sleeping, anxious moods, wetness between your legs, and, oh my gosh, look out for those sexual fantasies. I don't know about you, but if I lived in the Victorian era, when women were expected to do domestic work 24-7 and kept away from the public sphere, I might be a little hysterical, too. Doctors and midwives began treating hysteria by inducing orgasms, which they called paroxysms, through genital massage. And in 1880, this physician, Dr. Joseph Mortimer Granville, patented the first electric vibrator. Finally, during the 1960s sexual revolution, vibes began gaining commercial and recreational esteem, and they got a huge boost in acceptance and popularity when they were featured on HBO's Sex and the City. Thank goodness, because they are awesome. Research has linked vibrator use with all kinds of sexy perks, including positive attitudes about sexual health, so we then take better care of ourselves, healthy arousal and lubrication, and more frequent orgasms during solo and partnered sex in folks with vulvas. Vibration can also feel great for penis owners. They can make erections last longer and help people of all sexes and genders discover untapped erogenous zones. If you've ever seen me at an event or in girl boner event photos, you might have noticed that I almost always wear an elegant vibrator around my neck. Well, you might not have realized that it's a vibe, given that it has this sleek design we don't often see in adult toyland. But trust me, it is. A fully functional one with various speeds and pulsations. It's body safe. It's a Vesper necklace by Crave. And it is one of my favorite belongings. Recently, I had the chance to build a vibrator with guidance from T. Chang, an industrial designer with Crave, and an entrepreneur who is passionate about designing products for women. We filmed our Build a Vibe session, and you can see most of that on IGTV at Girl Boner Media on Instagram. So during the interview, T told me she was raised in a pretty conservative Taiwanese immigrant family in a small suburb outside of Atlanta. And like many of us, T didn't learn a whole lot about sex or sexuality throughout her youth. That was a predominantly, you know, religious, Christian, white town. I was like one of maybe three Asian people in the whole like little town or slash village. My parents, however, um, I think it's because both of them have a science background. So my, like, my mom has a master's in bot- botany and my dad has a master's in microbiology and neither of them are religious. Their point of view when they were raising us was that they just treated sex as kind of like a part of life. 
And even though we didn't talk about it openly, really in any way, but I just felt they had a very practical sensibility when it comes to like intercourse and whatnot, you know. But the thing is, I knew growing up, they frowned upon like getting pregnant and dropping out of high school because for them, education is hugely important, you know, as immigrants. That was kind of like mostly the talk that we had was like, you know, you need to have a good education so that, you know, you can make something of yourself and just don't get pregnant and drop out of high school because that will take your life in a different thing. So that was kind of the extent of it, but nothing to do with pleasure, self-love, like none of that. T told me that she was not one of those kids who had big dreams of a specific career path. And she certainly didn't foresee designing vibrators one day. She knew that living in a first world country and in the U.S., that she was very privileged. And that instilled in her this strong desire to do something that was of service to others, which is really what she does today with Crave. In an interview with Medium a few years ago, T said that she feels she's on the edge of tech in the traditional sense. And she prefers to think of herself as in the love industry. That still holds true but not necessarily in the ways you might guess. I, I don't think it's not necessarily love as in like relationship. I'm a designer and that is my lens in which I view the world. But I feel our products are there to help people to embrace their own sexuality in their own way. And love is a relationship, not necessarily like, you know, always with two people, but it's also self-love. And so if my products can help to support a better conversation a person has with themselves or with a partner or multiple partners, that is awesome. That is all I want to do. A love of painting led T into design. As for her affection for vibrators, that seed wasn't planted until her college years. I wish I had a story about finding my mom's vibrator. No, she didn't have any of that. I think I found some condoms and I thought they were balloons in their uh, nightstand drawer. <laughs> I think it was something that happened, I think, in college. I went to Georgia Tech and I remember very typical of a lot of college campuses and also downtown area that you would have these sketchy bookstores slash DVD shops where you can buy bong accessories and like you know crappy dvd and there's like a peep show in the back and it's just all dodgy sketchy and gross but that was kind of the stores that you can find vibrators and generally sex toys that's kind of like that's almost like the only game in town really for me i was always really curious i'm like what's you know to me i didn't feel like there was anything wrong with it and for me it was more of a like what is this dodgy shop what is that like i went in and just kind of looked at those products and I wanted to try one. So then I remember buying my own, myself a vibe and I thought it was great. It was one of those like old, like, like a plastic, you know, long bullet shaped things with, I think it was like a double A or you turned the bottom of it and it, goes, and it was just like this long bullet. And I think that's a very common first vibe kind of thing. Yeah. And I thought, wow, that's cool. You know, I was able to orgasm with this, but I just wish it was better looking. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I had a vibrator like that one, and I did not have the same orgasmic luck. I love that T did, though, and that already she had her sights set on a sleeker, more appealing design. I told her how much I appreciate that Crave products don't look like kids' toys like so many sex toys still do. The fluorescent plastic toys with like these obvious bells and whistles 
or this big teddy bear one a company sent me that's sitting in my closet. They look to me like toys toddlers would pull off a shelf. I vehemently agree with you. Not only kids' toys, but it looks like pet toys. You know what I mean? I so do know what she means. A couple of people have told me stories about this kind of thing gone wrong. Let's just say you probably don't want Spot finding the sex toy you hid under your bed. You know, I'm a trained designer. You know, I'm a trained industrial designer where I view products through the lens of aesthetics and functionality and materiality so that it's not just like, oh, I want to make it cute or I want to make it pink. I want to make it like a rabbit. And I think, you know, the rigor of design allows you to think more deeply about the overall balance and the aesthetic of how something presents and how it works. And I think that is why I feel very strongly that my aesthetics do not (laughs) look like uh, or resemble any type of a pet's toy or a child's teething toy or something like that, you know? (laughs) T inspired me to look through my own sex toy collection, thinking about aesthetics. And I noticed something. I don't think it's a coincidence that the toys that work the best and are the most body safe tend to have better appearances too. More thought goes into them, you know? Speaking of looks, I don't think I've ever heard anyone speak about beauty quite the way T does. You know, I think beauty is so important because it has this power over you. It has this nice seduction to it, which is honestly, in a way, that is how advertising, you know, or propaganda is done, is that when they turn it in a beautiful way, it's able to deliver a certain message. And one of the things I think that's important about, especially vibrators and the need for it to be beautiful, is that when you apply beauty, it gives validity to a subject. I mean, can you imagine if you, let's say, had to buy a swimsuit and the only time and the only way you can do this is to go to some dodgy, sketchy shop and they all look kind of hideous and it would make you feel like there's something wrong with wanting to swim or buying, you know, a bikini is wrong, you know, and that's kind of the same language we tell people if we only serve them some of these subpar and poorly manufactured and designed products is saying that your pleasure is not that important. And so for me, aesthetically pleasing vibrators for women is so important because it changes how they view the, the world views female pleasure and also most importantly, how women views their own pleasure. Such good points. One thing I love about my elegant toys, including my Vesper necklace, is that the elegance makes them really timeless. I could see someone in their 20s, 50s, or 70s plus rocking it and looking stunning with it around their neck. And I think that's an important way to both resist and change common ideas around sexuality and aging that are harmful, especially the idea that sex is reserved for young adults or that sexuality shrivels up over the decades. When I shared that with T, she told me that she's been really struck by how many Older folks are drawn to crave products. Oh, I just remembered this amazing conversation I had with this one woman. I don't exactly what age she was. I know she was definitely over 50, but I don't know, between like 50, 60, 70. I mean, she looked great. And one of the things that surprised me too was that truly women of all ages, and particularly older women, I feel like women who have gotten to a point in their life where they accept who they are, they're just so much more open about this stuff. And I remember she came up to me when I was a part of a Crave pop-up shop 
and she was like, you know, my dentist gave me an electric toothbrush like 10 years ago, and I love that thing. But that thing has never touched my mouth. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, well, um, things have changed since then. We have some other things that's not corded and you could use it, you know. So anyway, I, they have just such an openness and such a great, you know, sense of humor about all this. So yeah, it is genuinely for people of all ages. So let's kick that myth that sex toys aren't for seniors to the curb. I asked T what other myth about vibrators really gets to her. I would say the biggest one is that um, this misconception that if you use vibrators that you will go numb. And I just think that is the most absurd myth out there because you would never tell a guy that if he masturbated too much that he would never be able to have an orgasm with a partner. Did you know that there's even a pretty dark name for this supposed numb vagina issue? This is totally reminding me of the hysteria idea. I'm hesitant to even say this term, but I will in the name of education. It's known as dead vagina syndrome or DVS. There is zero science to back it up. Even if you did experience a little bit of numb sensation after a marathon vibe session, the nerves would go back to normal quickly. Ask any doctor. So trust me, if you have a vagina and you're breathing, your vagina is probably very much alive, no matter how often you use a buzzing sex toy. It's interesting, too, that these conversations don't even mention the clitoris, by the way, which is where most of us with vulvas experience pleasure, both internally and externally. T brought up another important myth that can be pretty easy to buy into, that the same toy will work pretty much the same for everyone. You know, no two vulvas are alike. So... It's great and helpful to do your research about the product and read about the reviews and what people have said about it. It's kind of also like skincare is that you never know if it's really going to work for you. And just because something worked for someone and it didn't work for you, that doesn't make you weird or doesn't make your body broken. You know, it's just, it didn't work for you. That's okay. And something that worked for you may not work for somebody else. And that's perfectly fine. And it's just, exploring and trying other options. So there is no one perfect vibrator for everyone. And if you want a vibrator, it's about, you know, trying different things out and, you know, give it time and have patience. It's just the same way. When I look for skincare products, they're not all going to be perfect, but it's all about that exploration and allowing yourselves and not thinking that there's something wrong with your body. If you're pretty new to toys or buying your first vibrator, T recommends exploring your body first on your own with your hands to figure out what kinds of sensations you prefer and what areas you most like to reach, as well as sensations you would like to create or spots you would like to reach that you can't without a toy. Then keep that info in mind as you shop. You might also want to try some lower cost toys to get a feel for the style you most like before investing in a pricier one. I asked T what one message she would like to leave us all with, and she shared this. I would say just keep exploring. And I think being able to give yourself the permission to feel what you feel and feel that it's valid is huge. Because if you're starting with that mindset, then so many things open up to you. And, you know, often said, you know, we are our own worst enemy. And when we shut ourselves off to possibilities, and that's 
in a way, you know, we kind of die creatively, limit our options. So allow yourself to feel yourself and to give liberty to what you're feeling. To learn more about Crave products or get free engraving on your own Crave Vesper, the vibrator necklace I keep raving about, head to lovecrave.com and use the code GIRLBONER, no space, at checkout. I would be so happy if some of you all sent me pictures or tagged me in photos of you rocking your engraved Crave Vesper. I want to hear what you think of it. So again, go to lovecrave.com or hit the link down in the show notes and use the code GIRLBONER as one word. So what if you love playing with a toy on your own and you want to bring similar fun to play with a partner? If you'd like to, but you're not quite sure how to start that conversation, I think you'll really appreciate this week's listener question. It came from Becca who wrote this. I have the best orgasms when I use my vibrator, like it has changed my life, but I'm nervous about bringing it into sex. My boyfriend always wants to go down on me, which is nice, but not my favorite, especially not for every time. And I can't seem to work up the nerve to say, hey, do you mind if we have a threesome with my toy? Honestly, I'm challenged by this. He's a great guy and understanding, so I'm not sure what my issue is. I know other couples use toys. Anyway, I would love your and therapist Megan's advice. Becca, you are so awesome for bringing this to the show. Here's what Dr. Megan Fleming had to say. Becca, thank you so much for your question. And I must say, it's probably one of the top questions I receive and get asked as a sex therapist, which is exactly how do I introduce a sex toy? You've already explored on your own and you know how much it can enhance and improve your pleasure and ultimately the quality and the intensity of your orgasm. And so I think the first thing we want to sort of acknowledge here is that the purpose of sex toys is actually to increase connection and pleasure to our experiences with our partner. Because I think that sometimes intrepidation a little bit to introduce it is the fact that your partner may or may not be comfortable. And first of all, as I always say, we cannot mind read. But I think if you frame it from the perspective of this is something for you both to enjoy and how much you've realized on your own, it really enhances your experience. Because the reality is our partner cannot duplicate a vibrator. And as we also know, two thirds of women don't orgasm with penetration alone, right? They need additional clitoral stimulation. And certainly that can be your hands. But again, for a number of women, the intensity they need is a vibrator. And so once your boyfriend sees how much pleasure it adds to your experience, I'm willing to bet it's going to be a complete no-brainer. But again, going back to how do we bring it up? First of all, there's no, in a sense, right time. If anything, I'd say the only quote-unquote wrong time is to not give any heads up and say in the middle of sex, kind of whip out your favorite vibrator. That, I would say, is not going to lead to your partner, sort of their enthusiastic consent and yes. So really taking a time outside of the bedroom. And I often say, sometimes it's easy to introduce the idea like it didn't come from you. Meaning, you know, I read in Cosmo or Women's Health, this article, and they reviewed sort of the newest and latest sex toys. And, you know, I really liked and pick two of your favorites and say, well, what do you think about that? And so the idea is getting their buy-in and interest and even reading the descriptions because there's so much great tech out there and figuring out what is sort of the first toy you'd want to buy together and then make it sort of a fun thing to do together. Certainly now stores are open and you might want to be careful of sort of COVID protocols, but 
I just recently asked a client to go to Baveland because they were experimenting with lube. And I'm like, there's nothing like being able to, with your hands, try on five, six, seven different kinds to sort of really choose the one that speaks to you. And so going to stores with, they generally have amazing sex educators to answer any questions you might have to find the perfect toy for you both. And the last thing I would say is that when and if your partner may not be receptive, because again, we never want to put pressure on someone or make them uncomfortable in any way. The question is, how do we make this appealing to your boyfriend? But when if right now in this moment, maybe he's not yet ready for the vibrator. Again, the first thing to explore is what is that hesitation, right? Is it around some fear or stigma? Does he feel threatened by it in some capacity? Because that really opens up a conversation to understand, again, we can't mind read, what are his thoughts and feelings around it? And as I always say, you know, it's not a definitive for the rest of our relationship, yes, no sex toys, but a series of conversations. And so that when and if right now, in a sense, worst case scenario, he's not yet ready, that there's so many other things you could try, like the warm massage oil or tantra and breathing practices or role play. They're just really so many ways to add spice to your sex life. I generally think, and I say this to my clients all the time, we often make things so much bigger in our heads and almost ubiquitously and universally, the conversations that we find challenging to have or we avoid having go so much better than we imagine. And in my experience, more often than not, your partner's been thinking about the exact same thing. And both partners really are just not sure how to bring it up. So I really encourage you to because I just know adding sex toys is like adding sprinkles to your favorite Sunday. It really just sort of enhances the experience. Definitely let your boyfriend know it's an opportunity to increase pleasure for you both. So as always, would love to hear how it goes. Thanks so much, Dr. Megan. I too am so happy for you, Becca, for finding that life-shifting pleasure. Toys can be such wonderful ways to find new ways to experience pleasure. And I really do think that there are some positive, fun, encouraging ways to bring it up to your boyfriend. And I see a lot of fun pleasure in your future. I'm no orgasm psychic, but I do sense that. Another way of bringing up toys with your boyfriend occurred to me too. Tell him you've been fantasizing about using a toy together because A, you have, you've been thinking about this. And B, that will show him that you want him. I think exploring what your concerns are about bringing toy use up could really help. One reason I hear about often is the fear that a partner will think we aren't satisfied by them alone, that we need a toy because something's missing. Instead, present it as what you actually want, which is, as Megan pointed out, more fun and pleasure for both of you. You could also say, I've been fantasizing about you using this toy on me. I think that's really sexy. Here are a few more tips for inviting stronger orgasms using toys with a partner. First, you could have your partner play with a toy at the same time as you do, whether that's a vibrator, a dildo, or a cock ring. A cock ring, too, can come with a vibrator, which can stimulate the external clit and make an erection harder and longer lasting in a vulva penis scenario. And definitely use lube. A commercial lubricant can enhance arousal and pleasure for everyone involved, especially if you apply it to your bodies and or the toy early on and play for a bit before you move toward Big Oville. You could also try some of that mutual masturbation fun Kit Crescendo brought up in last week's episode. 
It's really fun to demonstrate on yourselves while watching each other and getting turned on while you use one or more toys. You could also use an erotica story involving sex toys or mutual masturbation to bring it up and then say, hey, I was reading the story. Do you think it's hot? You want to try it? Or I would feel so turned on if you did this to me and point to the page or go to the part of the audio story. Sharing your curiosity, enthusiasm, and desire for a partner can go so far. And lastly, one wonderful way to have stronger orgasms is to make sure that you are in a good mental space for play. It doesn't mean you need to clear out your mind. I hate when people say that because it's extremely difficult for a lot of people to do. But relax your body in some way through movement or meditation or breathing, like whatever works for you. Seeking support for the stuff that you need help around. Really creating space in your day for scheduled sex, which is, I think, really important if you are in a time where things are kind of hectic or maybe you're not feeling as turned on as you typically would. Just really get to a place where you can feel at peace with yourself in some way. By turning ourselves on first and taking care of ourselves, which is kind of the precursor to that, I just think we all have more pleasure. If you have a question for me or for Dr. Megan, please reach out to us and to receive Clitoral Play, Seven Techniques for Mind-Blowing Pleasure and Occasional Hot Tips from Dr. Megan, text DESIRE to 66866. That's DESIRE to 66866. And if you enjoyed this episode, please hit subscribe if you haven't. Ratings and reviews are also so very helpful and appreciated in helping us get the message out and reach more people. This episode was edited and produced by me, August McLaughlin, with audio management by Mackenzie Mazel, founder of the Period Podcast Network. Thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.